AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Congress is on recess and pardoning a couple of turkeys and putting up the Christmas tree are the top priorities at the White House this week. Sounds like the holidays are here. It's a jumbled up trading week for commodities and equities, but it's a good time to lay out some goals for the next Congress. Live from your Monday morning steaming cup of Agri-Java via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk This Morning. We'll begin with a conversation with machinery Pete Greg Peterson, then it's Representative G.T. Thompson, and right after the news, a weather update from Brett Waltz from BAM WX. I'm the handsome newsman, Davis Michelson. Now, welcome the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. All right, Davis, check holiday meal number one off the list for me. It was you this got weekend. One? I Whoa. got one. I got one, yeah. And this was pretty doggone traditional. Okay. I mean, it was turkey. Now, my sister-in-law does the turkey, uh-huh. and it ends up in, in, in like, bite-sized pieces in a crock pot and unbelievably juicy. Really? Unbelievably juicy. Okay. It's delicious. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely delicious. So shout out to Julie for doing a great job on the turkey. I was there with the dressing. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I felt pretty good about the effort there. Got a boy. Uh, but the sweet potatoes, the the red cabbage, the corn, the mashed potatoes—it was Dude. all. It was all there for the taking, man. That's unbelievable. Absolutely delicious. Uh, I, yeah, we went with a big pot of chili over here at oh, my place over the weekend. Nice. Uh, yeah, and I I stuffed myself like a Thanksgiving turkey with chili. I don't know if that counts. Good. As a, as a holiday meal, necessarily, yeah. but uh, yeah. Okay, question. Did it knock you out for like a half an hour after you ate? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. I was well, going then it down counts. fast. Then, yeah. then it counts. <laughs> three bowls of chili too many in one sitting? I don't know. <laughs> Evidently not. You survived it. Well, that's the point at which I lost count, and I thought, ah, what are you going to do? <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Welcome to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. That is Davis. Hello. Um, yeah, Friday before Glenn Thompson uh, jumped out of Washington and headed back to Pennsylvania, we had a conversation with him. We've got that conversation coming your way Great. after we get the update from Machinery Pete. And, dude, I'm telling you, based on the, the, the list of items that Greg wants to talk about this morning, we've talked about how active this time of the year is for machinery auctions. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. It is absolutely crazy. Okay, man, let's get to the news. Well, Chip, two of the country's largest railroad unions are to reveal today whether their members have accepted a wage deal brokered by the White House. A rejection would move major freight railroads closer to a strike that could disrupt the flow of goods around the country. The unions representing engineers and conductors are the final two of the 12 unions reporting the ratification votes in the contentious and protracted labor dispute. If they strike, it could cost the economy $2 billion a day. The glut of savings that consumers built up during the COVID-19 pandemic is shrinking, Chip. The Wall Street Journal reports economists expect it will run out in 9 to 12 months. 
The savings buffer has helped Americans keep spending elevated despite historically high inflation and rapidly rising interest rates. As those savings begin to dwindle, signs of financial stress could appear, such as rising default rates on loans. And increasing credit card debt. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're, we're seeing that already. Well, Keeve said it is preparing to help civilians in newly liberated Kherson voluntarily evacuate the city ahead of winter. Russian forces had largely knocked out the city's power and water supplies, leaving some residents resorting to stockpiling wood for heat. Nearly half of Ukraine's power grid is down, this according to Ukrainian officials. Yeah, and it seems that there are some some leaks from some of the nuclear power production facilities over there, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Hong Kong's chief executive tested positive for COVID-19 just days after interacting with President Xi Jinping of China. John Lee was seated next to Xi during a meeting on November 18 and stood next to him at an event on November 17. That's potentially one of Xi's closest known brushes with the virus since the start of the pandemic. Tip the latest U.N. climate summit, that's COP27, dragged on almost two days longer than expected amid ongoing negotiations. The conference resulted in an agreement to set up a loss and damage fund, which would offer vulnerable nations financial assistance in grappling with the climate crisis. But most countries failed to commit to phasing out or even phasing down fossil fuels. House Republicans are not expected to appropriate money for that loss and damage fund, but the Biden administration could tap international developments that uh, development banks that the U.S. funds. Yeah, it's almost like an equity payment is what they're talking about. And it's going to developing countries. Now, fortunately, as Jim Wiesmeyer and I talked about this morning on Signal to Noise, in this case, China is not considered a developing nation. Well, it could get hot. In Washington, Chip, during a private inter-party meeting ahead of leadership elections, Representative Kevin McCarthy reportedly promised he would strip some power from some Democrats, vowing to kick Minnesota Democratic Representative Ilhan Omar off the House Foreign Affairs Committee and California Representatives Eric Swalewell and Adam Schiff off the House Intelligence Committee. Yep. And finally, Chip, on Saturday, Elon Musk reinstated Donald Trump's Twitter account. It's not clear whether the former U.S. president will begin posting again. In the aftermath of the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol, Trump was banned from Twitter and several other platforms on the grounds of inciting violence. Chip. Yeah, this Twitter thing, if it looks and feels different. Have you? I, I know that you don't spend a lot of time on it, mm-hmm. um, but it it does. It just looks and feels different. I don't I don't know if I'm liking what I'm seeing or not. Mm. All right. We'll see. We'll see how it how it goes as time goes on here. All right. Thanks, Davis. Let's bring in Brett Waltz from BamWX.com. Good morning, Brett. Good morning. How are you doing? Good, good, good. Let's go down south, Brazil and Argentina. What's the outlook there for the next week? Yeah, the next seven days, it's really going to ramp up with both the heat and the dryness uh, going to be drier than normal down there. So just not not a really good situation at all. Uh, the next shot of rain we don't really see until the early part of December, but uh, that may just bring some brief relief rather than any kind of sustained relief because, frankly, the pattern as a whole looks unfavorable. Hotter than normal, drier than normal as we work into the month of December for Argentina. Okay. And what about Brazil? Any red flags flying for Brazil? Yeah, m- maybe not quite as bad there. Uh, they okay. do have some chances, but but 
to be honest, I, I think it's a similar situation as we work further into that month of December. Um, again, maybe not as bad, uh, but yeah. still some issues there. I wouldn't say it's great. Gotcha. Gotcha. Man, what a snow event in the Northeast U.S. <laughs> I, Brett, I don't mean to laugh about it because you can't laugh at six foot of snow, but my gosh, what happened? Uh, yeah, it's it's hard to even comprehend. Actually, there was one spot that uh, unofficially got 80 inches of snow. It's hard to even uh, imagine, imagine. And it was just the, the perfect storm of some very, very cold. We had record cold in, in spots last week. Very cold air over very warm waters that was record warmth to start out the month of November. It was literally a, a perfect storm for major lake effect. And um, in some cases, more snow than that big 2014 lake effect event several years ago. Wow, that is crazy. A little bit of warmer temperatures in the middle of the country this, uh, this well, for this the near term, huh? Yeah, yeah, we're going to warm up a little bit. Not too bad of a okay. Thanksgiving, really. Uh, maybe a little rain as we work into Black Friday. If you're out shopping on those Black Friday sales, we've got one ourselves that we're going to be running. So uh, it, it's not too bad, guys. I think we'll take it for, for this time of the year. All right, very cool. I heard that. Go to BAMWX.com. And get the details on that Black Friday sale. Thanks, Brett. Appreciate you, man. Yep. Thanks, Chip. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Machine repeat here, folks. This segment of AgriTalk brought to you by our friends at Dakota Ag Innovations, makers of Dakota Shine, the best way I've seen to fix faded paint. Go to dakotashine.com or call 888-996-7801. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip Flory. Glad that you are with us on this Monday morning. Davis Michelson is with us as well. And Hello. Let's- Dude, let's jump right into it with Greg Peterson, Machinery Pete. Mm-hmm. Greg, good morning, my friend. How are you? You keeping up with everything? Uh, sparks are flying. It's uh, oh. no, it's all good. Uh, wish people out there a happy Thanksgiving coming up, yeah. and uh, you guys as well. Well, thank you, thank you. Same to you. Yeah. Um, record prices are one thing. Record prices on a tractor that's uh, beloved as a forty-four forty is something different. So we've got some news here. What do you got? Yeah, last Thursday, I, I suspected it might uh, brush up against the record, but it blew past that it was uh, in Strawberry Point, Iowa. Our friends at Joel, Joel's Tractors and Auction had yep. an 82 model Deer 4440, 2,747 actual hours on it. So for 72,000 um, bucks, Joel actually had the previous record of 67,000 back late October of 20 in Guttenberg, Iowa another 82 model, 2,500 hours at 67. 
Uh, but yeah, 72K, I mean, I've 33 years, I've devoted my life to doing this. And of course, you know, how many 4440s have I seen sold? Yeah. So quite a thing to, to see one hit 72K. And uh, by the way, the same seller on the auction Thursday had another 4440, a 78 model with 4,900 hours that went for 42K. So just, uh, just, it's just incredible. And that, and honestly, a pick of the week this week, Chip, there were 20 tractors that I could have picked and, but I had to go with that 4440 and 72K. Yeah. Now, uh, how unusual is it for something like that to happen at a consignment sale rather than an estate sale? Uh, it's becoming less rare at my first, I'd say maybe 28 or nine years. It was very rare. It's just yeah. consignment sales. It was kind of a little bit apples and oranges comparing to a, yeah. a, a retirement or a state. But these days, since the pandemic and the growth of online bidding and online only sales, it's, you know, it people and the equipment shortage. So a tractor like this, it was social media. I mean, we did a promotion on it last week before the sale. So eyeballs are finding the right equipment every which way. And uh, yeah, the discrepancy between farm auctions and consignment auctions is almost negligible now if it's good condition yeah. equipment. Well, yeah. And, and when you've got somebody that is willing to put an 82-44-40 with just 27, 2800 hours on it, on one of these consignment auctions, they know what they're getting the, getting into. Oh, yes. And, well, and I, know. I don't go by that, that lot in Strawberry Point all the time, but I go by it frequently mm -hmm. enough that when it is full, Greg, you look at that machinery that's out there, there is top-notch, high-quality mm -hmm. machines out there. Well, and that's a hats off to Joel, Joel Everclare yeah. for, the, for the marketing job they do, frankly. And Joel is smart. I mean, he... We work with him for, for quite a while. And so, you know, he's in my ear and we can promote it through our machinery P channels ahead of time. So, you know, so then the, the eyeballs, I mean, they're worldwide eyeballs yeah. on that 4440. And again, people say, man, I got 72,000. That's crazy. That's just two guys going, no, 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 no. That's not just two bidders. That's, that's a world full of bidders assigning value. And that's, that's what it's worth today. And, you know, in Eastern Iowa. So, you know, hats off to Joel. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Okay, let's talk about that big iron.com sale. Oh, and I haven't even haven't even talked about this one yet on, on social media, but I did a little Ag Day segment on it this morning. But a record price on a Magnum 7130 last Wednesday by our friends at Big Iron, uh, their weekly online sale. It came out of Emerson, Nebraska. It was a 93 model, almost 4,700 hours on it, but it went for 75750 and same deal here, Chip. I mean, I've seen a bazillion 7130s over my sure. 33 years. And that 75, 750, that broke a record that was at 70,500 bucks from January 21st of 13. So you're right at almost 10 years ago. So, and, and I feel bad that's not the pick of the week, but, you know, yeah. wow. Yeah. We, breaking records, breaking records that are 10 years old. Um, and and we've talked about this before, but boy, that has that that's the scarcity or the the mm -hmm. concern over availability coming through, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And yeah. then again, I said on November first, I I told folks I I wasn't trying to be cheeky when I said it, but I I said buckle up, folks, because this market's been going higher by the month 
since since late 20 and now november december year end tax buyers so again that sale was wednesday then friday i mean let's hop out to london ohio my friends at oh wilson national <laughs> right they, they had a retirement sale for jeff bethard and Pre-def 2011 KSH Magnum 240, 1,808 hours. Again, we did a preview video on it, eyes worldwide on it. Uh, brought 165, that's 27,500 over the previous record from 10 years ago. 10 years ago. December 14th of 12. And so that was one tractor on the sale. And by the way, I'll be posting YouTube video of this auction here later today, but had a Magnum uh, 275, just under 1900 hours. I went for 153, second highest price ever. And okay, that Magnum 245 set a record by 27K, probably wasn't even the most noteworthy item on the auction. They had an 08 Cat 416E loader backhoe, okay. 423 hours. And Mark and Brandon Wilson were telling me last week, Pete, this thing. This thing is drawing unreal interest. So for ninety-seven thousand bucks, an wow. 08 Cat 416E. So, you know that was Friday in London, Ohio, and I mean it Man. just keeps it just keeps raining. So the next day, Chip, Lacenta, okay. Minnesota, my friends, Maring Auction had a little farm sale, ninety-four yep. model Case H seventy-two forty mechanical front seventy. Now note the hours: seventy-six hundred thirty-three hours. So no, okay. I mean it's high hours. Decent. Well, it's, you know, well, it's 30 years old, but whatever. I got you. I got you. Right, right, right. But it brought 79K, <laughs> which is the fourth highest auction price ever. And again, when you go look, analyze our data at machinerypeat.com, it's all free. You just hop in and check it out. The only three 7240s ever sold higher were from 1600 to 4200 hours. So it's not just the crazy low hour stuff. This thing was very nice. 7,600 hours at 79K. And by the way, the same day, Saturday, let's hop out to Cleghorn, Iowa. Okay. My friends at the Iowa Auction Group, they had a farm sale where they sold a 2010, again, pre-deaf, preacher four, Case H Magnum 215, 3,352 hours. That brought 148. That's 21,500 over the previous record. And by the way, the four highest auction prices ever on Magnum 215s, all since yeah. April. Just, just incredible. It is, it is, and these new records are not being set by five hundred or a thousand. Smashed, yeah, they're being smashed by by twenty percent. Yep, and it's availability, it's year-end tax buyers, it's what's a new one cost? Can I get a new one? You mix all that up, and you know, here's what here's what we got. Okay, all right, great report on what has happened. It's a busy time of the year. Let's look forward. What's coming up? There is a very special sale <clears throat> coming Wednesday, folks, um, in Anawan, Illinois. It's by Sullivan Auctioneers. It's an online estate sale for Mike Nordstrom. Now, Mike, legendary figure in the farm equipment business. Uh, Mike and his late partner, John Hatzer, started Hatzer and Nordstrom, an Alice Chalmers dealership there in Anawan in 1979. And, of course, they also started Hatzer and Nordstrom consignment auction in Anawan. And this sale, if you love Alice Chalmers, folks, Go to Sullivan Auctioneers and check out the sale Wednesday. They've got over 40 Alice tractors, including a D21 Series 2, 3,407 hours, owned by Mike Nordstrom, and yeah. also a 190 XT gas, 1,626 hours. So, again, Mike, 
you know, was a legend in the farm equipment business and his online sale <clears throat> is coming on Wednesday. Anawan, of course, when you say Anawan, Illinois, yeah. if you're a mid- Midwest farmer, you know, Anawan because of Mike yeah. and John right? and, and their business and their, and their consignment auction. And again, just a legend in the farm equipment and auction business. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you want to talk about all eyes being on an on an auction. Mm-hmm. This is going to get global attention big time, big time. Well, it will. And by the way, Sullivan's has another sale taking place as we speak in Moroa, Illinois, online farm auction. And they've got a 19 model deer 8345R with 846 yeah. hours, one owner, and an 8335R with low hours. So is the the auction pricing records are just going to yep. keep raining down on us, I think, Chip. Okay, okay. Your podcast that you've got coming up. What do you what what you got there? Actually, just posted it. It's it's okay. a cool story, folks. Give it a listen. It's on North Prairie Butchery out of Falcon, South Dakota. Uh, very cool. Uh, a new uh, processing plant. Twenty five head a day. Troy Hadrick, right? Great guy. Yep. And uh, it was a pleasure to talk to Troy about the great project they got going. Yeah, absolutely. We talk about building up capacity at the small and medium-sized yep. processing facilities all the time. Well, that's what Troy is trying to do up there. Yep. Keep it up, buddy. <laughs> Try to keep up with everything that's going on, okay? Happy Thanksgiving, uh, Greg. You as well, Jeff. Take care. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. We've got ProFarmer expert emeritus Chip Flory on hand here. <laughs> Chip, uh, some pressure in the overnights on the corn, the soybeans, and the wheat, and that pressure continues, man. Look at corn go down. Yeah, we've got losses of between 8 and $0.10. Cents. The Dece contract out to 10 and a quarter lower in, the, uh, in corn today. We've got soybeans under some pressure. Wheat is also posting double-digit losses in the SRW contract. Not quite so bad in the HRW or the spring wheat. We got a deal. We got a deal between the UN, Russia, and Ukraine to continue shipments of grain out of the Black Sea region. As a result of that, it, it removes one of those pieces of uncertainty from the grain markets and, and opened up the path to a little bit of selling. I'm I'm impressed that the corn market is actually kind of leading the way to the downside on here because, quite frankly, it's more important to the corn market than it is to the wheat market. Well, and look at livestock go. The fat cattle like it. The feeder cattle really like it this morning. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. When we take a look at what's going on in the outside markets, uh, they're reflecting the concern of some recessionary pressures around the world. 
until you look at the livestock markets here in the U.S. I mean, we've yeah. got crude oil under sharp pressure. We've got soybean oil under pressure that's kind of pulling down on soybeans. But we've got live cattle futures are trading anywhere from 75, well, I'll call it 50 cents to a buck higher. Feeder cattle, because of the losses in the corn market, are trading as much as $2 higher. And the lean hog market, everything but the December contract, is working to the upside just on the idea that we've got some solid demand and those declining uh, market-ready animal numbers coming in the months ahead. That's Chip Flory, Pro Farmer Emeritus on Markets Now. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. When news breaks, the newsmakers talk about it on AgriTalk with Chip Flory. Welcome back to AgriTalk. Glad that you are with us on this Monday morning. And very special guest coming our way right now, Representative Glenn G.T. Thompson from Pennsylvania. He will be the next chairman of the House Ag Committee. Joins us right now. Congressman Thompson, welcome back to AgriTalk. How are you? Oh, Chip, I'm great. Happy Monday. Thanks so much. Uh, it's always a privilege and honor to be uh, be with you and and be able to, you know, to reach out to the folks of farm country uh, yeah. through your program. I, I really appreciate the opportunity. Good, good. Well, we appreciate your willingness to come on and and have the conversation. First things first. Uh, there, okay. As long as I'm saying that, congratulations on your your reelection to uh, the the position as congressman there from Pennsylvania. Uh, We've got a lame duck session in front of us. What do you expect between now and the start of the new Congress? Well, there's quite a few things here in this lame duck yeah. session that really the you know the uh, the Democrats have been struggling with. You know, appropriations being a part of that. We have a continuing resolution that goes through December. Uh, that, that you know, CRs are tough. I, I mean, there's just no way to run a government um, and. But we we do need to finish the funding for this fiscal year that would take us through uh, September 30th of 2023. That's certainly a big part of what's there. We've got a national defense authorization. You know, we need to be looking at probably, I think, some disaster relief. I mean, we've had some challenging years uh, or a challenging year in terms of farm country. When you look at uh, whether it's too much rain, too little rain, uh, too much heat, too much cold, uh, too much wind. I mean, they're just, you know, it's just the typical things that farmers struggle with uh, that have resulted in some disastrous situations. We've got to keep farmers farming. Uh, that's certainly out there as well. There's there's actually quite a bit. Now, uh, yeah. you know, the week of Thanksgiving, we'll be back here in our districts uh, regrouping. Um, and then uh, this week, uh, so this week will be basically that leading into yep. the the, uh, the Thanksgiving celebration, but then we'll, we'll be right back on the job uh, on uh, come the beginning of next week, um, and uh, uh, we got to get these things done um, and get some things off the table here as we prepare to swear in the 118th Congress on January 3rd, 2023. All right. Okay. What'd you make of last week's elections? I, I mean, there wasn't as much of a GOP move as was anticipated. But the House is going to be Republican-controlled. The Senate is going to be Democrat-controlled. How does that change the dynamics, not just for your committee, but for the legislative process? 
it, it changes it dramatically. Actually, obviously, nothing in the in the Senate will change. Although we're you know we're still waiting in the Senate on that Georgia race. Uh, it's a runoff. Yeah. Uh, the beginning of December, and that will make a difference. Hopefully, uh, I'm personally rooting for Herschel Walker, obviously, supporting him. And, you know, that's a matter of making sure that uh, helping to guide the population of the committees. I'm a regular order guy. I like it when we don't do legislation from the top down, uh, which is what we've been experiencing for some time now. I like it when we're committee-driven. You know, on the House side, it's a huge change. You know, uh, the Republicans had a great year. We, you know, we picked up 15 seats uh, last cycle. This time around, we're we're 15 plus at this point. We're in the majority. Majority determines what the what uh, what bills will get under consideration, uh, and that's important when it comes to not just the authorization but the appropriations. And so, I'm very thankful with a farm bill coming up in 2023. Uh, that Republicans do have the majority, um, and I hope to, uh, you know, uh, I, I think I'll be the one that will be uh, leading that process in the House, uh, since Republicans are in the majority. Um, that way we can make sure that, because, you know, we need to make sure that we're bringing uh, all those hardworking folks who provide us food and fiber, building material and energy yeah. resources to the table. Right. We don't want to be writing this farm bill or listening to people inside the Beltway of Washington. Right. That's where I've been working hard, uh, Chip, for uh, the past two years. Uh, as I've been out to 30 different states, some of those states multiple times, you know, uh, talking with the, you know, the farmers and ranchers, the processors, the key stakeholders in what I used to call rural America, I call it mm-hmm. essential America today. Mm-hmm. Yep, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Before we get too deep into the farm bill conversation, and I want to get there. When you talk about the appropriations process, there's going to be some management of the Inflation Reduction Act um, efforts that are out there through the appropriations process, isn't there? Uh, appropriations is uh, an important process. Uh, you know, we're going to have to do it in a bipartisan way, unlike yep. the, some of what we've seen so far. You only need 50, point, 50 plus one votes in the Senate, and uh and it looks like certainly, well, the Democrats have, uh, have secured that. Right. Um, uh, uh, you know, but, uh, but obviously having the majority in the House. Uh, I, you know, uh, Kip, I'm really hoping, although I was a little naive and hoped that this was what we were going to experience the last two years and it didn't occur, that, that uh, you know, the, the majorities are so tight. Uh, you know, yeah. The margins are so tight. Uh, that we're forced to do things in a bipartisan way. Yeah. Um, and I'm just, just just happy that, uh, you know, appropriations does start in the House, and, we, and Republicans have the majority there. And um, yeah. and obviously, uh, on the authorization side, really happy with the yep. Farm Bill. Good. Okay. So let's get right to that now. I've, I've talked with, with several in the know people, and their confidence in your ability to manhandle, negotiate a new Farm Bill in 2023 – their confidence level is exceptionally high in your abilities. What about you? What's your confidence level heading into the next Congress that a farm bill will get done next year? Well, well first of all, that's pretty humbling to, 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 to have. Uh, well, I'm not kidding either. That kind of feedback. Uh, well, you know, I'm just committed to it. I'm passionate about uh, agriculture. I tell people that through my veins runs milk and sawdust. You know, because, uh, you know, I've got uh, you know, that long line of dairy farmers, uh, which were my family members. And then uh, and then just my work, in, you know, uh, with the forestry industry industry since coming to Congress 
you know, and how important that is and, uh, you know, for Pennsylvania and quite frankly, uh, for, for our nation. So I am uh, absolutely tenaciously committed that uh, the only option that we really have can exercise is option three, which is to do our jobs and get this farm bill done. And that means that, you know, because the other two options are not options, right? Let it expire. Right. I don't think so. Like Dust Bowl era legislative language that would hurt every American family and every family, every agriculture family. Uh, number two is an extension. That's just kicking the can down the road. And we know yep. that I think there's some opportunities for improvements. We've got to protect crop insurance, but we perhaps we could learn from our disaster experiences and improve it. We've got to figure out how we deal with these high with no margin um, under Title One. I. I mean, what do we do with reference prices? Uh, yeah. uh, there's, I mean, there's a number of things. These, there are great opportunities. Obviously, um, uh, rural broadband connectivity is still the number one needed uh, utility uh, that we have, infrastructure need that we have in this country. Um, and so, uh, so the really the only option is to do our jobs, and we're going to have to work in a very intense way. That's my commitment. Um, you know, whether we're in Washington doing hearings and doing hearings of, you know, addressing, providing oversight on, on um, and, and working on and hearing about all the titles of the Farm Bill or whether it's taking yeah. this show on the road like we've always done. I did experience that in 2018 Farm Bill, 2014 Farm Bill, where we take this out to rural America, mm-hmm. out to farm country, and, uh, and we take... Uh, in a bipartisan way, Republicans and Democrats and uh, from the committee, and we go and we listen. We exercise that most important skill when it comes to legislating, and that is listening to what the needs and the experiences are uh, yeah. regarding the, the 2018 Farm Bill. So I'm, I'm excited about that. I, uh, to Good. me, that's, a, that's important. My commitment is, you know, as we do this in a way that's bipartisan and bicameral. Uh, quite frankly, by the end of the summer, you know, we, we need to be in a position that yeah, and then we need the Senate obviously doing the same thing, um, so that we're in a position to get something authorized before the end of September. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, funding is going to be a big challenge to move those reference prices up, isn't it? Yeah, well, funding is always can be an issue. Although this an investment in rural America is an investment in the national economy. It's an, an investment in food security, um, and and its investment then in that as a result of that. Uh, it's national security. And so, you know, uh, this is an odd year, right? Uh, odd farm bill. Every farm bill is different. And, and I won't say call it odd. I call it unique. And the uniqueness, the characteristics of, of the 2023 farm bill are that we have, I think, a lot of pot of monies out there that have been authorized, some of by the executive branch, which I don't always agree that they have the authority to do that, um, and, and, and a lot by, by legislation that was done sort of in, in, a, in a very partisan way by just one party, one party role. Uh, but a lot of that money has not been spent. And so, um, so the question is a rather unique situation where we have pots of money, yep. uh, a lot of it dedicated specifically yep. to, to agriculture um, that was not done under regular order, was not done the way we always do things with, with, in agriculture, and that is both parties working together and quite frankly, uh, both uh, the legislative and the executive branch uh, um, uh, working together. And, gotcha. and one of my goals, objectives, principles is to be able to make that happen. You know, it's gotcha. make this bipartisan, bicameral, and quite frankly, um, you know, working hand in hand with uh, the executive branch as we move forward here. Fantastic. Fantastic. Congressman, 
Good luck to you on the farm bill process. You know we want to stay in touch and uh, keep track of what's going on every step of the way. I'm looking forward to many, many conversations over the year ahead as that's getting wrapped up, sir. Thank you so much for making time for us. Uh, Chip, my pleasure, my honor. You be well. Thank you for being a great voice for America's number one industry, agriculture. Absolutely good. Thank you for that. Happy Thanksgiving, sir. Happy Thanksgiving. All right. That is Representative Glenn G.T. Thompson from Pennsylvania, next chairman of the House Ag Committee. Davis and I will be right back here on Agritalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Agritalk is brought to you by the Conservation at Work video series. Farmer to Farmer, the Conservation at Work video series features real stories, real successes, real quick. See what's possible at farmers.gov slash conservation. Chip, you got to love Tom Petty. Am I wrong? Absolutely. Got to. Welcome back to Agritalk, everyone. Monday, 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 your pal Davis Michelson here. Chip Flory joins uh, before uh, Chip and I chat it out, let's get to this uh, this morning's Yields in the Fields. Yields in the Fields on Agritalk is brought to you by Microessentials from Mosaic, the science of more. Discover our proven products. Text YIELDS to 31313. Chip, I don't want to break precedent with this Yields in the Fields here, uh, okay. but I've, I've got a, it's a twofer. I've got a double. Okay. Okay. They're short. They're right. shorties, but uh, okay. I, I think they're poignant together. We'll begin in southwest Nebraska. Red Willow County grower says, quote, our wheat stands have some holes developing. Cold weather didn't help. Wing on over to northwest Kansas in Sherman County. Wheat is going backward due to drought. And now the cold temperatures yields in the fields is brought to you by micro essentials from Mosaic in an area. <laughs> That was of want for water for most of the growing season. Now they've got a cold snap that apparently is pushing that wheat crop backwards. Yeah, uh, the drought conditions and the you know the it, it just leaves the crop vulnerable to some of these colder uh, temperatures and and without snow cover, winter kill is some. We're going to be talking about winter kill or the potential for winter kill all winter long as we we get to spring but uh, this wheat market is such a uh just a fickle market a a headline driven market and the headline basically has to originate from ukraine uh 
mm-hmm. or it has very little impact because we've got terrible, terrible, terrible wheat conditions in the hard red winter wheat belts, and it, the market does respond to it. But boy, it is muted compared to a a, a rumor coming out of Ukraine. I was talking to somebody uh, asking about just sort of the the drought conditions out there, especially in that area, asking about the Oglala uh, aquifer. And, you know, my comment was what we really, really need is just huge amounts of snow in in that whole section of the nation. And I don't know if we're going to get it or not. And we could be looking at not only winter kill, but then add to that drought again next year. I'm I'm not predicting that. But if we don't get some serious snow out there. Well, you're not predicting it, but some from the the Climate Prediction Center are predicting that drought will uh, will, will be maintained in that region and in some cases intensify. Well, so, yeah, it's a real thing. <laughs> I, I, mean, I did take a weather class at one of Central Iowa's premier universities. That so. would be the University of Northern Iowa, UNI? Let's go, Panthers. Let's go, Panthers. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. All Indeed. right. Um, you've okay. got some. Uh, you you've yeah. got something that came across your desk here on the rail stuff. Yeah, I'm reading from Reuters. Okay, and this came out basically when the show started. Um, workers at the largest U.S. rail union voted against a tentative contract deal Oof. reached in September, raising the possibility of a strike in the coming weeks that could cause significant damage to the U.S. economy. Train and engine service members of the Transportation Division of the International Association of Sheet Metal, Air, Rail, and Transportation Workers, that is Smart TD, narrowly voted to reject the deal, while members of the Brotherhood of Locomotive Engineers and Trainmen, which is BLET, or B-L-E-T, voted to ratify the agreement, and Smart TD Yardmasters voted to ratify the national agreement as well. Uh, the split vote, Reuters goes on to say the split vote by the two largest unions representing conductors and engineers could put pressure on Congress to intervene to prevent a strike ahead of the holiday season. The uh, president of Smart TD said in a statement, quote, the ball is now in the railroad's court. Let's see what they do. They can settle this at the bargaining table. This can all be settled through negotiations and without a strike. So some have said uh, December 9th. Others have said December 4 uh, for, uh, you know, until they go on strike. But if any, it, let's see, there have now been, well, uh, are those the final two that needed to vote? I think, I, I think I that think was the last is. two. Yes. I think that was the last two to vote. So that would put the total at eight, four, three against, I want to say. Maybe four against. But if any of the unions, if any of the union members decide to strike, the members of the other unions have said they will not cross the picket lines. They will not cross. So even the smallest of the unions can decide to go on strike and it's like everyone deciding to go on strike. So this is a, uh, we said it during the news, this is a a $2 billion per day threat to the U S economy. When we throw around 
dollar amounts in trillions like they do in Congress now. Mm -hmm. uh, Two billion doesn't seem like that much, but I guarantee it is. That's plenty of money. Yeah. Yes. Um, well, and when you think about the just Joe Biden himself as being typically pro-union, he's yeah. he's, he's a friend to the unions. Um, right. And, and at the same time, needing to do something to to help the economy. Right. I mean, the guy's between a rock and a hard place. What I, I guess I don't understand. Maybe you have some insights from Jim on what a a congressional should, lever might he do be, here. What, he what can should, they do? He should be he should be reaching out to his congressional leaders right now. That's still being Pelosi and uh, uh, Schumer and lining up support to go and talk to the unions to prevent this strike from happening. Uh, that's that's what I would imagine should be should be happening. I don't know if mm -hmm. it is or not, but mm -hmm. we'll have to dig a little deeper into that and hopefully have an update for you on that tomorrow uh, here Indeed. on AgriTalk. You bet. All right. Hey, thank you for listening this morning. Appreciate it. Glenn's got a lot of work to do. Representative Thompson, a lot of work to do in the year ahead, so we'll be keeping tabs with Representative Thompson on the Farm Bill. Come back this afternoon, Darren Fry, Water Street Solutions, and tomorrow morning, Hubert Hamer from USDA's NAS, right here on AgriTalk.